This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Equity Minds! I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. I'm very excited for this interview. We've spoken to a number of CEOs over the journey now, um, but many of them from, you know, big companies that have been around for hundreds of years, you know, the Telstras of the world. But uh, the CEO that we have in the studio today started a company while we were at uni. Yes. Very... It really puts it in perspective, you know, what have we been doing with our last (laughs) 10 years? Um, And it's now... a ASX listed company. So yeah. pretty cool story. Excited to get into it. Absolutely. It's our pleasure to welcome Tim Fung to the studio. Tim, welcome. Thanks for having me. So Tim is the co-founder and CEO of Airtasker. Since its founding in 2012, Airtasker has grown to more than 4 million users and over a billion dollars in work. Uh, Airtasker, as Ren said, is trading under the ticker ART and it listed on the ASX in 2021. I remember it very clearly and we're excited to unpack the story and your journey, Tim. So uh, so welcome. We're, we're really keen. Sweet. Let's crack in, Ren. Let's do it. So Tim, uh, whenever we have a CEO in, we like to start by having them describe their company in their own words. So what is Airtasker? Sure. Uh, Airtasker is an online uh, marketplace that connects people who need uh, work done with people who want to work. Uh, pretty simple business model. Um, we're addressing the local services uh, space and bringing e-commerce to local services. Um, and I think, you know, when you kind of think about um, how people buy physical products, it's kind of crazy because like buying physical products is super slick and sweet and fast. But um, when you think about how people buy local services, it's generally like, oh, no, should I just do this myself? Should I ask a friend? It's really like stuck in the ice age. So I think um, Airtasker is, is bringing that simple e-commerce. But, you know, at the heart of what Airtasker does is um, is creating jobs uh, for people. So mm-hmm. creating working opportunities and um, creating that flexible labor mm-hmm. uh, market, which we think is going to be a big part of the future. Well, I've used Airtasker, for, but for more for the traditional jobs, the get the couch cleaned, I need to move my house, can you come and pick up my mattress, those 
those sorts of things. But when researching this interview, there are a couple of niche jobs that appeared on the platform, spider catching, installing trampolines, Lego instructors. Uh, what are some of your favourite niche or outer left field jobs that have popped up over the years? Oh, look, well, we're getting like thousands of jobs a day now. So, we're, you know, of course at Airtask, we've got like an internal slack where everyone's like, holy crap, does anyone see this thing that's going down uh, at the moment? So we've got like tons and tons of different stuff. Um, I actually um, really like some of the stories which sound like they'd be really niche but actually when you deep dive into them, they're not that niche uh, One of them that we found is like trampoline assembly. Um, you know, I think if you're a, if you're a parent uh, leading up into to Christmas, you, you're probably aware of this, but literally you can see the Google trend and the Airtasker trend just like growing, growing, growing wow. as we're into Christmas. And we've got this one guy um, who's the trampoline whisperer um, who basically <laughs> does 10 Gs a week uh, in trampoline assemblies no um, leading up to Christmas. So wow. it's a, it's a huge, <laughs> like, I know it sounds like so niche and, um, I think this is one of the things that Airtasker does, like give the opportunity for some of these niche things to not become so niche. Um, kind of like how YouTube has done uh, with videos or, you know, um, you know, podcasting, um, you know, lower the friction, give yeah. the chance for something to happen. And sometimes you find out that some of the stuff is like way bigger than you might have, you know, initially thought. You could front run that for that on the app and kind of say, hey, everyone is on the app. We know leading into Christmas trampoline installation is big. If you're, uh, if you, if that's you, like, get ready. Trampoline installation is coming, and I might be like, I could give that a crack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. I mean, like, I think that like it's kind of like any other uh, market. It's really useful to like share data with yeah. the people in the marketplace because that helps them uh, make decisions and and match, you know, themselves with the with the best jobs available. So, like, for example, during all the lockdowns, of course, like the demand for labor dropped. You know, people are at home and they can't do so much uh, work. Um, when it started to really heat back up again, which it did in um, Q2 of this uh, financial year, we had to get back out there and kind of tell people like, holy crap, jobs are increasing at, you know, 15% a week. Mm. We need people uh, to come back into the market. So it's kind of similar to, to a stock market. You've got to show and, and share the data with people yeah. so that mm. they know how to participate. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, as we've said, Airtasker is now listed and... Uh, from memory, you guys had like a crazy first two days. You shot up massively. I guess uh, first part of the question is, how was that experience? Uh, but then the second part is, obviously, we've had a, you know, six months to a year where the market hasn't loved tech and unprofitable tech. Mm. Um, and Airtask has fallen as a result of that. So I guess, how's it been being a public CEO going from those elation of those first couple of days and then the tech sell-off that followed? Yeah, I think that the first couple of days, you know, the stock went up to I think like a dollar eighty or something from sixty five cents. So mm. it was like it was pretty crazy. But I think we all kind of thought that, that was a bit, you know, it was a bit crazy. Um, and so it's always nice to feel loved. But we were actually looking at that more with probably concern than with like elation because, mm. um, you know, we want to make sure that we've got a sustainable, you know, a sustainable stock price that lets everybody like share in the value of Airtasker, but not to become like a meme stock or something mm. like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was kind of, you know, it was a combination of, of course, it's, yeah, it's always good to feel loved and to see, you know, a whole bunch of charts going up and to the right and all that, but um, probably a little bit more concern there. Do you get annoyed by the investment bankers? Are you like, we left a heap of money on the table? Well, not, not really, because it was like, it depends on which kinds of people you're trying to get um, to invest in in the company. And, you know, I think it's probably fair to say that we had a fair bit of like retail uh, investors, you know, that the cap table became like mainly retail investors after that. And 
And that kind of means that the, um, you know, the share price can go up and down much more kind of like with high volatility. Mm. Um, and so, you know, we, we really want to have, of course, like a whole bunch of uh, awesome independent investors, but we do want to like build out that base of institutional investors who, you know, spend the time to analyze the business and really put a sustainable valuation on the company. So let's have a chat about um, growth and the global expansion. And over the last couple of years, your revenues almost doubled going from 14 mil in 2019 to 27 mil in 2021. What have been the big drivers of this? Um, we would kind of assume perhaps COVID, but if you can enlighten us further. Sure. So I think um, one of the things about building marketplaces is that it takes a, a fair bit of time to build up uh, what we call like liquidity and then to um, be able to like harness the value of network effects as it grows. Um, so basically it's quite a J curve that you see uh, in terms of revenue growth and um, GMV growth, that's um, gross marketplace volume, which is effectively like the sales going yeah. through the, the marketplace. Um, so it is very much like the first few years are really, really, you know, you're investing hard to build up that initial uh, network effect. But once you have it, that's really the thing that creates a huge amount of customer value. Um, as the network effects grow, uh, more people are in the marketplace, you get access to more skills you get access to more services uh, as a result. Taskers get access to more job opportunities and everything just happens faster. Mm. Mm. So I remember like when I first was using Airtasker, um, you know, 10 years ago, I'd post a job and it'd be amazing if someone like responded to your job in an hour or two. And that was still like way better than, you know, what, what typically happens if you use, you know, the yellow pages or something like that. But now if you use Airtasker, you know, in many cases, you'll get an answer in like 90 seconds. Yeah. Um, and so um, I think that's a huge part of what's driving the customer experience. And that's a big part of what's driving the scale. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah, the um, I mean, we've never tried to scale a marketplace business, so I'm only Yet. not speaking from experience <laughs> here. But it does feel like the one of the hardest businesses to try and scale because you've got to keep that balance right, and if it gets out of whack, it can go wrong very quickly. And you sort of started Airtasker in that period of like the golden age of marketplace businesses. Airbnb was what 2008, Uber was 2009. I think Instacart was same year as you in 2012. And we see marketplaces try and start today and they struggle to cut through. Mm. So was, was it just right place, right time for you guys or was there anything that you did I think um, I think we do think a lot about marketplaces at, at Airtasker, and one of the the things that I spend most of my time doing is um, working on our marketplace principles and the I guess the architecture of the marketplace. And that you know there are a few things that that make um, Airtasker unique compared to I think a lot of the companies that sort of you know you mentioned back in you know 2008 to 2012 there were a lot of folks that sort of started, and only a fraction of them actually yeah. built a sustainable business. And we kind of went about it in a slightly different way. I think a lot of those marketplaces were sort of undecided as to whether they were like truly marketplaces, i.e. individuals connecting and and making being empowered to like make decisions between each other, or whether they were more like, you know, service companies that happened to have like an outsourced base of supply. Yeah, yeah. And I think if you're not sort of like super clear about that, it gets really gets really hard. And at Airtasker we've built our philosophy and our principles over over the years and like we are really big on we empower people to connect with each other to trust each other and make decisions and we provide the framework of transparency and accountability um, but we don't make those decisions you make those decisions with other people in your community and i think it turns out that that model um, scales pretty well like it's a sustainable business model as well as like a good a good service but yeah i think it's when you get kind of confused about that yeah. like are you a marketplace or are you 
a business because yeah. you know every business is two sided in one way, right? Like you know if you're Nike shoes, you're a marketplace. You know in the sense <laughs> you got to buy leather and rubber to yeah. make shoes and you also sell you know something to customers you could argue oh yeah we're a marketplace we're like connecting rubber sellers with uh shoe with shoe buyers, wearers yeah. you know but like <laughs> there's sort of a, a line where at some point you're not a marketplace anymore and you're kind of like a uh you know traditional company yeah so, yeah yeah um yeah, that's been a big part of it. There's a whole employment law conversation about where that line is and, you know, like Uber and all of them have been having that conversation over in the States. Um, but, yeah, I think we can safely say that Airtasker is... Oh, for sure. I mean, like when, you know, we, we don't even see a lot of the tasks that happen uh, on our platform, but I think one of the things that we did kind of think about in a bit of a contrarian way, you know, you hear a lot of people kind of start with the negative. They're like, oh, if you let people do things, couldn't someone come over to your house and just like, slap you in the face and walk away. And it's kind of like, um, you know, I think that is possible. That is, that is always possible. You know, you could get into an Uber and the driver just slaps you in the face and drives you somewhere else. That is in theory possible. But uh, one of our like beliefs is that like people, you know, are much better than you intuitively assume. And so if you empower people, put them together, make sure it's transparent and make sure there's like a loop of accountability so that like, you know, you're, you, you have to be held accountable for your actions. That stuff turns out pretty good and you don't actually have to control people and like tell them what to do. And and that was one of the core tenets of, of, of what we've built at Airtasker. Yeah. So Tim, yeah, there's the freelancer marketplace, incredibly crowded as we've kind of just started alluding to, freelancer, Fiverr, Upwork, TaskRabbit, you name it. How do you think about competing in this space and how would you define what your long-term competitive advantages are? Yeah, so, you know, you mentioned some of these um, uh, names like uh, Fiverr and Freelancer and, of course, you know, you've got um, TaskRabbit and maybe Pages and people like that, in a, you know, in, in different spaces as well. Airtask is actually, like, quite unique compared to all of those models. Um, so if you look at, like, Fiverr and Freelancer and stuff, similar sort of, like, software platform but different customer proposition. Um, and different base of supply. So mainly like freelancer and, and Fiverr, et cetera, their proposition is get it done cheaper by someone who's in a, um, you know, in a different locale that, mm-hmm. that has lower labor costs. And so by definition, like the, the supply base tends to be overseas and the, um, the proposition is, is, is mainly about like price. Um, so it's like quite different to Airtasker, which is playing in local services. Um, and it's not about price. It's mainly about um, convenience and access to skills you can't do yourself. Um, and then you've got things like TaskRabbit um, in the US and the UK. Um, and that's quite different again, because they a bit more like an agency model. Like they vet and interview uh, all of the all of the rabbits oh, on their right. on their platform. And so I think that's good in one way that you can kind of have some predictability over, um, you know, this person's been to university or they've got a certain degree or something like that. Um, but of course, it reduces the range of skills. So if you're like, hey, I really need someone to translate a document from like Hebrew to Japanese, you're unlikely to find that person, you know, in a smaller base of people like, um, like with TaskRabbit, whereas uh, on Airtasker, it's like, a, it's an open community marketplace. So you will find that, that person. Um, and then you've got things like High Pages and, um, and OneFlare, which is, um, we recently acquired, which run a, a different model to that, which is more facing businesses as opposed to individuals like on Airtasker. So I think there's definitely some different um, categories there. In terms of competitive advantage, I think one of the biggest competitive advantages of Airtasker is um, the community that we've built. So as you build network effects, it becomes harder to replicate those network effects um, elsewhere, um, which obviously keeps people sticky um, to our uh, to our platform. And that's that's part of what they love and what we love. And I think also 
uh, specifically on Airtasker, we have this thing called the reputation passport, which is that as you do more jobs on Airtasker, you get more ratings, you get more reviews, um, you're uploading like um, verified, you know, uh, trade licenses and stuff to our platform. Uh, that means that you're building your brand on Airtasker. Um, that really creates a better customer experience, which is a bit of a competitive moat. So you mentioned high pages there, and we've spoken to the CEO Robbie um, just a few months ago now, and it feels like uh, very similar to what he's trying to do. What you're trying to do is you're obviously competing with each other in some instances, but it's mainly competing with like that offline, you know, the fridge magnet with the local tradie, or like writing down the tradie's number that's on the um, on their car as they're driving past. Like that feels to be like where the majority of the total addressable market still is. Yeah, I think it's really interesting as well in terms of competitors, which is like, you know, I, I know uh, Robbie and the High Pages guys uh, well, and I think they're doing a good job. It's almost like kind of going to a newfound land and, you know, we've got this tiny little farm on one side of the, the newfound land and, and High Pages and others have, you know, this tiny farm on the other side of the newfound land. And it's like, we don't really have to concern ourselves with each other because there's honestly just so much um, opportunity um, in this space. You know, it's a, a $52 billion um, opportunity um, in Australia. It's a $500 billion uh, opportunity in the US, UK and, and Australia um, combined. Um, so I don't, I don't think, you know, um, looking at our competitors is anywhere near as important as just, you know, build a good product, uh, get customers to like what you're doing and, and basically, you know, try to bring... Um, more, you know, um, individuals um, into uh, the Airtasker movement. Well, on that point, you mentioned uh, the US and the UK, and uh, you haven't just stayed in Australia, you've expanded overseas. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but New Zealand, Singapore, UK, US, are they the four? And Ireland. And Ireland. Oh, nice. Okay, nice, <laughs> nice. Uh, you need to advertise your yeah, Ireland. They, they, yeah. they, they, you know, it, it's quite interesting because, you know, it's kind of like connected in, um, in the UK, mm. but, you know, they have the lovely uh, idea of having a different currency. So, like, it is quite. Yeah. Yeah, From a yeah, technical yeah, perspective, yeah. it's actually quite a, a new endeavor. And I'm sure the Irish wouldn't appreciate us <laughs> yeah. him in, so let's not. Let's <laughs> yeah. not go there. So uh, talk to us about the uh, the journey of expanding overseas. I'm sure there's heaps of challenges scaling the team, but also trying to replicate building a two-sided marketplace mm. because you really have to start from scratch when you go to these new markets. Totally. So talk to us how that's been. Yeah, so um, the first thing is really interesting is that um, – for good or for bad, um, there's no one doing um, Airtasker in any of those countries that you mentioned. Okay. Like for us, we're kind of like, oh, this is kind of like, you know, somewhat obvious business model, I guess. It's like, it, this should exist. Like most people now are like, yeah, why not? Why wouldn't you have a marketplace where you just connect with other, with people in your community and get mm. stuff, get stuff done. But I um, mean, all of those countries, it's pretty blue ocean. Mm. Um, what about TaskRabbit? Yeah, so as I mentioned, I think TaskRabbit is like really much more like this agency model. Yeah, so if yeah, there's like okay. a specific thing that you want, like um, if you're, I don't know, need someone to help with like moving a home or like a, a two, you know, fortnightly apartment clean, for sure, I think we're competing with TaskRabbit on that. But if you need anything that doesn't fit into yeah, one of those right. like specific categories. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you need trampolines being yeah. built, TaskRabbit don't have a category Totally. That. Yeah. And I actually, I, I do have a theory on that, which is like, it's really hard to know what the size of stuff that doesn't exist inside a category, like how big that is. Yeah. Mm. Um, but it's easy to know that cleaning is cleaning. Yeah. It's hard to know. It's like, what is the summation of spider removal, possum in light fitting, uh, clean leaves <laughs> from gutter, boxes? Like, what is the sum yeah, of that? And it's just yeah. hard to get your head around it. But I think a, a good observation uh, that, that our US founder, um, Bo Fishback, um, uh, said to me was like, you know, when you think about like Craigslist, 
it's actually like a crazy good business. Like it is, it's sick because like it's everything that doesn't fit mm. neatly into Airbnb mm. or Uber or Instacart. It yeah. goes to craziest and we often knock it because we're like, ah, but like their interface isn't as slick as, yeah, as Uber's. Yeah, but if they tried to make it that slick, then you wouldn't have that like incredible liquidity yeah, that you get yeah, yeah. on Craigslist. And so, and one of the things that we say in terms like Craigslist is like sick, like, <laughs> sick, like it's a sick product. Like yeah, get yeah, on the yeah. Craigslist, like that's what it's well, at. Well, is, there, is there a bit of echoes of Gumtree in Australia mm. with that as well? Just that sort of like Gumtree. catch-all for everything else? Totally. So I think that um, Gumtree and Craigslist are actually really, really interesting uh, business models. At Airtasker, our belief is that you do need to add like a layer of transparency, accountability, payments, insurance, like just that next layer up. But of course, like the aspect of like liquidity and like enabling stuff to happen that wouldn't happen if you created too much friction um, is um, is pretty massive on, mm. on, on, on Gumtree and Craigslist. Yeah. But we probably um, diverged a little bit from like the question about like, um, you know, starting up new marketplaces. I think... Um, it's a blue ocean um, in the US and, and the UK in particular, which is where our main uh, focus uh, is. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges is, yes, we are starting, you know, you've got to start a marketplace from what we call like zero to one. Like, how do you do that? Um, I think what's been good about Airtasker is we've, we've now done it in Australia. And so, you know, when we were doing it in Australia, it's more like, can it be done? Yeah, is this yeah. a thing that, you know, will work? Now we kind of know that, hey, if you get it to this kind of scale, this is how it starts to play out. So one of the biggest jumps was starting the second country. That was a huge jump for us. Like, mm. can it be done again? And so we went to the UK. Um, we've invested in that market for a couple of years now. And what's really awesome is it's now actually like becoming a really meaningful chunk uh, of uh, Airtasker's revenue and marketplace volume. And so we're like, crap, like we're, we're kind of at second <laughs> stage. They're like, sweet as like, you know, this is something we've got to really invest into. Um, and so that gives us even more confidence to go into like a whole new country like the US and do that again. Mm. Um, but it's definitely, you know, like a, it's a pretty crazy journey to, to go back to the start again. Yeah. Well, speaking of the US, it's it's particularly interesting to us given that you have a sort of focus on key four key cities being Atlanta, Kansas City, Dallas and Miami. So why target these four cities? The genesis of actually uh, launching into the US was um, we acquired a company called Zali. It's got a um, a crazy backstory where, you know, the, the CEO of eBay uh, was on their board, uh, Ashton Kutcher um, and, and Kleiner Perkins put $15 million into the company and it just went absolutely ballistic about uh, about 10 years ago. And and Bo Fishback, the founder, is still running it um, 10 years later, which is, uh, which is awesome. Um, but actually, the reason why we're in those um, cities is because they were really focused on Kansas City and Dallas. Um, and that's because Bo's from Kansas City. Okay. <laughs> so there's nothing more. Right. Uh, nothing very, more uh, very strategic. <laughs> very strategic. Um, but in terms of um, moving then into like Miami and Atlanta, um, I think what was, um, you know, of course, some of it is finger in the air. You, there's no way you're going to be able to like predictively know this is the exact right decision to be making. So you only want to spend a certain amount of analytical time on making these kinds of decisions. Um, but for us, um, we saw there's really high adoption of other services um, in those uh, two cities. Um, and also that they're not those top two tier cities. Mm. They're not um, New York um, and San Francisco and Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, and one of the advantages of Airtasker's uh, model is that we don't have to go and set up a whole bunch of like fixed infrastructure like Instacart and 
Uber and, you know, some of these companies which need, you know, physical stuff on the ground. Uh, and so it made sense for us to go after um, second tier cities first. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Has that been your only acquisition? Uh, so actually we acquired a company called OneFlare yesterday. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, that happened yesterday. That's pretty wild. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we did a trading halt yesterday, acquired, um, uh, acquired uh, OneFlare, which is Australia's third largest marketplace for local services. You know, of course, uh, folks like Airtasker, uh, Highpages, and OneFlare was uh, the number three. Um, so we've bought uh, OneFlare into the Airtasker uh, family. Um, Billy Tucker, the CEO of OneFlare, has joined uh, Airtasker. Um, and it's, you know, a significant um, increase in, in our volume in Australia. Um, it adds about 30% in addition of the uh, customers uh, to uh, to our platform. And, you know, we timed it right in terms of getting the acquisition right because OneFlare is an incredibly high quality uh, company. They had a lot of investment um, from, you know, Fairfax and Domain and, and some other like just rock solid um, venture capitalists. Uh, but I think that they just didn't achieve the scale in the time that it took. And with equity markets tightening up, um, you know, mm. we had the opportunity to, to bring them into Airtasker. And, and frankly, I'm like just super stoked to be working with Billy and, and the CEO of uh, OneFlare to, to, to go to the next level. So they're more like plumbers, electricians, more qualified tradies? Is that yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, the strategic rationale was, um, was threefold. I think um, first was strength and network effects. So you have bigger uh, marketplace. It means that customers get access to a wider range of skills. It means um, all of the service pros, the service providers on the platform, they get access to more customers and you match stuff better. So mm. more people means you, you, you find the right person for you more, um, even faster. Um, the second thing was to um, unlock um, the trades and uh, home improvement and uh, professional services category for Airtasker. So we, we slowly started to see that happen organically. Like people go to Airtasker now and there are tax consultants and lawyers and all this mm. kind of stuff on Airtasker already. But we did see in OneFlare like this massive um, opportunity because they had built this suite of features which was built for businesses. Like yeah. they had built their their whole marketplace and platform around you know, verified businesses. And so bring all of those features across to Airtasker. And I think when we combine that marketplace, um, that's going to be a massive opportunity to, to address these higher value segments. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the third um, uh, rationale for it was like one platform. When you have a, a marketplace, one of the biggest cost aspects is you have to like the minimum barrier to entries, you have to spend a lot of money building a, um, a software platform payment systems, you know, the post to task flow, offer management systems. And of course, that's duplicated across Airtasker and OneFlare. Mm. So we bring that uh, together um, and we can really focus those, um, those people that are, that are working on the two platforms on just one awesome platform. Now, Tim, uh, we're going to take a quick break and then uh, uh, we want to ask the question that uh, we imagine probably keeps you up at night more than anything else, which is uh, people getting on the platform, finding uh, a customer or finding a service provider and then leaving the platform. We'll let you think about that for a minute while we take a quick break. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So Tim, uh, before the break, we I feel like we've covered a lot of ground in this interview uh, from where you started Airtasker, listing, um, some of your expansion overseas, the competitive set. Uh, but the one big question that we always have when we think about these marketplace businesses is you can find a service provider on the platform, and then but how do you keep that relationship on platform rather than uh, them just exchanging phone numbers and doing it off platform? So I imagine you've got teams of people thinking about this question and trying to improve that. So can you talk us through how you face into that challenge? One of the things about Airtasker up until, you know, probably about... 12 weeks ago is that we were entirely focused on that first transaction. We spent the first 10 years really cultivating that and focusing on that. And that was what was uh, important to us. And it turns out that we could build a, a really sustainable, you know, strong company just off the back of that. And so when people ask me like, oh, like what's the leakage? You know, that's what a lot of people refer to. It. What's the leakage on the second transaction? We were kind of like, I think it's 100%. <laughs> like, there's actually like, a, you can't actually, you know, it's a little bit like a, 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 you know, Tinder or something. You're like, what's the repeat rate between like the two, you know, yeah, uh, the same yeah. two people, you know, having a hookup on Friday night's like, it's 100%. Yeah. They, don't, they don't come back through Tinder to organize the second date. That was our attitude for the first 10 years. And I think that focus was actually uh, important because um, there's a lot of value in connecting two people together. But of course, um, we, uh, we see that there's a massive opportunity as well. It's a different kind of value uh, opportunity for our customers for the second transaction. So in the first transaction, you're mainly paying for like connection. You're like, hey, I want to meet this person. Um, and you need to get access to like a skill that you don't have or like somebody to do something at the right, at the right time. And you're also paying for a little bit of like handling value, which is like payments, insurance, convenience, administration. Of course, on the second transaction, it's a little bit more weighted towards the handling value. Mm -hmm. It's less about the connection. Of course, you do need to be able to connect with them, but it's more about that handling value. And so it's a different kind of value uh, proposition. Mm. Um, so we are working on a, a product um, to address that. Um, it's called Airtasker Contacts. And it's basically like, you know how most people are like, hey, I got a tree guy. Or yeah, I've got yeah. like the, the pool cleaning lady yeah, 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 yeah. or I've got the, you know, the babysitter, um, you know, teenager up the road or whatever. Um, so we are um, building that into Airtasker. And so now if you go onto the home screen of Airtasker, you'll see all the people that you've worked with uh, before. Oh, yeah. um, and you can just have a message. Um, you can send them uh, a message and um, transact through the platform with a much lower uh, fee rate. So one of the things, because you're offering different value to people, of course you can't charge them you know, uh, for the connection and the handling. You've got to charge them a lot less for the connection and you know, probably the same thing for the handling of the task because you are getting payments, insurance, convenience, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. Actually, like one of the best, um, moments in like my product development career was when we turned this on like basically on Airtask we have a messaging system but we would uh, block the messaging yeah. a week after you had completed a task so it would be like oh, oh okay that okay. connection's done let's close off that chat thread and you know it would just be closed so um, one of our uh, engineers decided to write about 28 lines of code that just stopped that 
uh, block from happening and literally like press enter to like deploy that code. And immediately hundreds of people started talking through that channel and we're like, Oh, oh wow. looks like we've been blocking this and this must have been like really annoying to people uh, before. And now we've got like thousands of uh, people a week who are, who are, um, who are talking through that uh, messaging system. And so, you know, we're just going through that process now of like iterating on the fee model, the incentive model, communication to our audience to get them to understand um, that new kind of value prop. But, you know, we charge 1.9% to our taskers on the on the second transaction, which is basically cheaper than, you know, Afterpay or a credit card. Mm, so, mm. Um, yeah, I think that it's a really uh, attractive proposition and we just got to get the word out there. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. that's good. I th- You should try and get like a referral mechanism or something because like I think another one of the big things is just knowing who's good and who to trust when you go on the platform like I need my sync fixed I type it in and then you get all these quotes and you're just like "Mm, how do I actually know who's good or not but if Ren has had his sync fixed and he's Mm. like I have a guy it might be in his contact list but how can everyone get rewarded for Ren referring my guy okay you can don't hold me to this like um, specific feature don't hold me to this specific feature that run out roadmap but it is my um, it is my my desire to have it so that you can like give a nickname to you know the the person in your contacts list so you can have you know your pool guy you know Bryce's pool guy yeah. you know Ren's tree guy yeah, you know yeah, yeah, and yeah. be able to refer them because that is how people talk yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah. Hey, you got a tree guy yeah. I yeah, need a exactly. tree guy yeah. and uh, Ren trusts him so I'm going to trust him and we're going to get it done yeah. totally yeah. Um, so it's a it's definitely like a new it's a whole new area and a whole new value prop uh, for us but it's pretty exciting what we're seeing so far yeah, yeah nice yeah that's cool. I mean, if you need any more advice, uh, let us let us uh, <laughs> you know where to go. We can do like product roadmapping live uh, yeah, on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, it's yeah. badass. Most transparent company uh, <laughs> we've ever seen. That'd be, that'd be fun. <laughs> well, hey, we have done it before, so we will extend the offer to you as well. Uh, if you want to do a retail investor earnings call, where yeah, we true. crowdsource questions from the retail investor community and and ask. I'd you. actually really that'd be that'd be awesome. Like, yeah. do you get uh, do you get like some hairy questions? Yeah. Uh, so we that? had uh, yeah. Larry Larry Diamond from. Zip came oh, on right. and did it, and um, yeah, there were some tough questions. Was that recent? Uh, no, late last year. During okay. COVID, yeah. yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. awesome. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll, we'll pick yeah, that one up, up. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> so Tim, uh, you founded the business less than ten years from listing on the ASX. Like that's an incredible story, a story that we're pretty envious of. Um, we had plenty of business ideas. Went in 2012 when we were at uni, and we just didn't do anything. And look where we could be. Um, But we want to talk about the Australian startup scene because you are an advisor to a number of startups, um, Car Next Door, Mad Paws, Huddled Childcare, Float Space. That's what I could find when I was doing some digging. I'm sure there's more. Starting with um, just the scene more generally, what are you learning or what are you seeing about the next generation of Australian startups coming through? You know, I did get some criticism uh, on LinkedIn when I was kind of like, I felt like for me, the Australian startup scene really started to get some pace probably like in about 2011. And yeah, I do want to acknowledge there was a lot going on before 2011 as well uh, when we came in, but it definitely did seem like there was a bit of a step change in in activity uh, since then. Um, there weren't really any Australian VCs or there was like maybe one or two uh, firms. There weren't co-working spaces. And you were basically a bit weird if you were doing a startup <laughs> because, you know, you'd probably paying yourself, you know, like not much money and you're, you know, you're, you know, living in your parents' basement or something um, if, you, if you wanted to do that. Um, and I think one of the really cool things now is um, that that has changed a lot. Like the support infrastructure has totally changed. It's like tons of co-working spaces that run events to like bring people together. 
you know, there's a lot of advisors and like second time successful entrepreneurs who are like, I guess, helping people, you know, go through that, um, those early stage uh, troubles. And then I think funding is really important, you know, like having the VCs and other, you know, super funds backing into the VCs and having a, a healthy angel um, investor community is like really, really um, important, I think. It was too big a jump before to go from like, hey, I'm, I'm working a great, safe corporate job to... I'm going to earn 20 grand, move back in with my parents, <laughs> probably fail. And then, you know, and so I think that's been, been really bridged. And so there's, um, there's just way more smart people who are able to, to come into this space. And I think that risk bridge is probably, a, you know, that it's a bit smaller now. Mm. And so, um, yeah, it's awesome to see that. I think one of the most, um, you know, the biggest differences is just seeing these like second time uh, founders coming through, um, which is really exciting. Like people who, you know, maybe backed companies, use that money to invest into, I don't know, Atlassian or Canva. And then those folks from Atlassian and, and Canva are now coming out and investing yeah. into the next channel, starting yeah. their own mm. uh, stuff. Like, I think that's that's probably like the biggest, I think that's the most important change and evolution that, that we're seeing is people have done it before with the credibility and the experience, mm. passing that down. Um, the generations. So Tim, you've been pretty public about one of your big people mistakes, which was sending an all staff email to your 10 employees, enforcing a 9am to 6pm working hours. What, what are some of the other watch outs or pieces of advice that you'd have for those budding entrepreneurs or startup CEOs out there? Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> I reckon there's like so many mistakes that I've made along the way. I guess one of the most important things that I've been thinking about more recently is actually about like catching people doing the right thing and actually giving people positive feedback. I think one of the things is like when you're really passionate about an idea and, you know, you're pushing yourself hard and performing, you know, at a high level, um, it's easy to kind of like take other people for granted, like that, you know, they join your company, they push themselves really hard as well. And you're kind of like, just like, mm, cool, thanks. <laughs> you know, um, and I think one of the things that I, it's it's easy to do that because you're always kind of like moving on to the next thing, moving on to the next thing. I think one of the, the most important lessons I've been learning recently is it is so powerful to just stop, uh, think about what other people are doing, like acknowledge them and actually just go and, you know, you don't have to like thank them, but just acknowledge good work. And so one of my biggest things right now is like catching people doing the right thing which is like, if you see something that's good, don't miss the opportunity to like go over and talk to them and like reinforce it. Mm. Um, it's actually way more powerful than catching people doing the wrong thing and, you know, nipping that in the bud. I mean, that's important too. Um, yeah. But certainly when you see like awesome behavior, just the power of just going out to someone and saying, that was awesome. It's great for, for them. Um, it's also really, really great for the culture and the business. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine that. Bryce and I, before Equity Mates, both worked at large corporates. I don't want to speak to your experience, but I definitely know that at the large company you can often feel like did anyone say that yeah or like does it matter yeah, yeah yeah so i think um yeah even when it's like a small thing even when it's like hey the way you explained that was like super clear and precise awesome mm. um because people just don't know you know yeah, like and yeah. it could be that the bosses in these uh, it's probable that the bosses in these big companies they do they do think the work is awesome you know they are watching other people but they probably just don't have time to um to stop and you know, take note of it. No, I agree. I think um, certainly many instances in corporate world where the when it does happen, I just clearly remember the power of uh, how it made the team feel. Mm. And I think it's something that we're conscious of here as we grow a team as well as celebrating those small things and, um, yeah, making sure that the team feels like they're contributing. Totally. But, yeah, the, the mistake about the email to all staff on the working hours, 
that's probably Trump's like the so, ultimate, well, the <laughs> ultimate embarrassing <laughs> mistake of all time. Why, why regret? Was there big pushback or like? Was oh, it- there's definitely pushback, but it's also just naive. Like when you think about, like if you get told to do something, and you're like a you know you're a software engineer or you're a data scientist, you can work at like a hundred different places. Just like yeah. oh, I'm, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of smart enough to know when I when I need to work, mm. and I'll let you know, you know, when, when that's right. I think that if you do give people feedback, it's absolutely fine. When you are trying to like pull people into line or like change pe- behavior, that's fine. But you've got to share context. It's going to be yeah. like, hey, I observed this. And do you agree on that? Yeah, you do. Cool. Then here's some feedback. But, you know, to just come out of nowhere and be like, <laughs> nine, nine, to, nine to six, beat your ass. They'll be like, but I don't understand why. Like, yeah. why is this important? It's like, why not 603? Like, 603, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, you know. So it was, a, yeah, it's just a bit bit naive and I think we just missed the point, really. Well, it obviously uh, didn't hurt you in the long term because, you know, you've managed to grow the team beyond 10 and uh, scale a pretty amazing business and we're really excited to see what's next. Um, we do like to turn, I guess, to the future uh, to finish the interview and so... If you think short term, next twelve months or so, um, what is the what does it hold for Airtasker? What's in the product pipeline? Obviously, there'll be things you can't tell us, but um, what can you tell us? We have uh, really two um, buckets of uh, strategic priorities uh, at the moment. So, starting with um, our home market, Australia, really going to be focused on um, opening up new categories and segments. Um, that's OneFlare, uh, integration of 70 new uh, team members uh, into Airtasker and really addressing this like trades, home improvement, professional services uh, space. And then uh, contacts, which you, um, uh, which we spoke about before, which is like really unlocking the second uh, transaction. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're focused on in Australia, where we've got network effects, we've got scale, and, and we're, we're really looking at those big um, S-curve opportunities to add on top of that. Um, the second um, uh, area for us, a second strategic um, focus for us is um, creating new marketplaces. And really what we're trying to do there is do exactly what we did uh, in Australia and get them up to that level of scale. But to repeat that uh, in the US and the UK, US like super, super uh, early stage. And so that's actually a lot of fun, um, the, the kinds of marketing tactics we do uh, there. Um, but the UK is actually becoming like meaningful part of, of Airtasker. So, you know, that's, that one's really growing up. And, uh, you know, we've got to uh, focus and be a bit more disciplined uh, in that market. But, you know, in the United States, we're still doing some pretty crazy uh, stuff uh, we just bought the biggest billboard in Missouri, and we put the poo emoji on it, uh, which was uh, which is pretty uh, cool to to get some attention. But you know, why? Um, well, we we, were, um, we we wanted to, you know, it's got seven hundred thousand people driving um, yeah, past yeah. it every day on the Kansas City freeway. Oh, you don't need to convince me about the billboard. Oh, I mean, why the poo emoji? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so we wanted to like talk about like. You know, it's actually quite strategic in some sense because what we figured out in the US is it's really highly competitive if you're trying to tell people like, hey, use Airtasker for a plumber or for, um, you know, an electrician because like there's lots of places you can find a plumber or an electrician, mm. but Airtasker is the only place that can clean up your, your dog's poo in the yard. It's the only place that you can get someone to clean your effing garage. So we've got the effing emoji on there as well. <laughs> um, and it's the only place where you can find someone to like organize you an epic birthday party. So, you know, it was really about uh, our competitive advantage is the long tail of services. Yeah. Um, yeah, and what okay. better way to express that than with the poo emoji? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I well, like that's that. Great. That's great. That's great. Thinking about Airtasker right now, what what's the biggest risk? Do you think? Oh, I don't really think about. Um, I, I don't really think about 
the world so much in terms of risk, but I guess like what are the downsides? What are the things that uh, keep me up at night? I'd say it's definitely at the scale that right now is like team stuff. Mm. Um, you know, there's definitely a war for talent. Um, we talked a little bit before about how the public markets, um, which we're in, have probably um, already kind of taken the valuation hit, um, but the private markets seem to be going swimmingly. And so you've got this dichotomy of like, where hiring is, you know, going crazy in the private markets, in the public markets, I think most uh, tech and growth stocks are probably like, oh, you know, like we've got to be managing mm. our cash burn and stuff. So I think it'd be like hiring, making sure we've got the best people in the team. We're creating uh, a value prop uh, for employees that is just like, you know, makes them want to come to work every day and 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 serve the air task mission. Yeah, there's just like so many things that could go uh, wrong in that uh, space and, and that's where I spend a lot of my time. I mean, I can't imagine how hard it is for you guys, especially with software engineers. We're trying to hire people in the media space and we have trouble. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's across everything, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, Great time I mean, to be looking for a job. I, I, know, sure. I know, Far out. <laughs> we've got it on the, you know, at, at two levels as well, like on the Airtask and Marketplace, of course, True, we've got to yeah. look for supply and demand balances in labor, but also uh, within the company as, as well. So... Um, I think that we'll probably will like I would imagine that we'll see some uh, turnaround in in um, the markets at some point, but yeah, until then, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And then, uh, Tim, final question. And again, we want to say thank you for joining us today. Uh, we're long-term investors here at Equity Mates. We like to think about you know businesses changing over years and decades, even. So, if you think about Airtasker in ten years, what does success look like? Oh, I think. Uh, you know, our mission at Airtask is to empower people to realize the full value of their skills. You know, in pursuit of that mission, what we're trying to do is create a way for people to have uh, income opportunities, no matter like what skill uh, that they have. And so if you kind of have a look at what's happened in like physical, like e-commerce for physical products, there's been, you know, there's kind of an evolution of eBay and Amazon. And now you got Shopify, which is sort of doing like the distributed model. Um, and at Airtask, we want to do all of that because I think all of that is um, in service of um, of people being able to make an income from their skills. Mm. Awesome. Well, Tim, thank you so much for coming in, sharing your journey, the journey of Airtasker. It's been inspiring, motivating, and, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm probably speaking on behalf of renters as well. So um, I'm sure the community will have taken a lot of value from that. And there's an open offer if you want to sit in the hot seat and get them to ask yeah. you some questions <laughs> yeah, at reporting time as well. So uh, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Equity Mates Investing Podcast is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. 
so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.